Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Well, welcome back to another episode of Puzzling Company. It is your host, Zach, and always with me is... It's Jared. How are you doing, Jared? Well, I think you pointed this out last episode, but I don't think last time we said that we were Puzzling Company. Correct. It was just Jared and Zach. It was just Jared. And we're sl- it's slowly becoming the same. No, but I'm I'm doing good. I'm good. Uh, enjoying the holiday season. Excellent. Still a lot more festivities to come, but oh, yeah. it's always fun when you get to get together with an outstanding individual such as yourself and talk about great games. Okay. And <laughs> no, I appreciate that a lot, Jared. It's been a great time, obviously, getting to play with you over the year. But today we get to talk about a game called Hack Ford. Oh, yeah, baby. From Key Enigma. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We're very excited to talk about it here in the next section. Zach, I just got your Christmas card in the mail. It was a coupon for bedtime stories. Yes. Aren't you excited? Are you reading the bedtime stories like in a chair next to my bed? Is that what that is? Yes. Because I actually just recently purchased the premium experience from Enigma Fellowship. It's called The Magical Tale. It's a handmade wooden book that covers a whimsical fairy tale in it. Well, Zach, is it just narrative? Because you know I love puzzling as well. Well, Enigma Fellowship knows you really well. Because in this story, you're going to have to solve puzzles to help Baron Von Puffington III find his missing tale. Okay, I'm good with this gift. Thank you. But can you just make sure to leave my nightlight on when you're done? Well, the great thing about this story is that the light that it's going to leave in your heart will glow the whole room. You won't need that nightlight anymore. If you're interested in picking up the magical tale, head on over to enigmafellowship.com and pick it up for the holidays. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are now in the first section. This is kind of our part to kind of give our review of the game. It's kind of a, a place for us to tell the likes of the game that we played, as well as kind of give some room for improvements. This isn't a, a part of the episode to dog on it or to like be r- extremely rude, anything like that. We don't want that. We want the games to be awesome. You're so rude. I know. I try my <laughs> best not to be. But no, I, I we just love the game, so we want to give our honest criticism. So Absolutely. Um, Jared, I'm actually going to pass it over to you. Can you kind of talk about Hack Ford and how it plays before we get into kind of the likes and room for improvements? Yeah, absolutely. So Hack Forward is actually a pretty extensive game. If you look at the box, it boasts a time limit of eight plus hours. And at first onset, it kind of looks like your traditional game in a box, right? Um, It's chaptered into eight different chapters, about obviously each chapter equaling about an hour. But it follows a pretty standard flow of envelopes, going chapter to chapter, solving puzzles. It has definitely an ARG hint to it, uh, maybe even more than that, you could argue. But I make it sound so like mundane. This is a really fantastic game. Oh, it's it's very well done. And I'm actually going to get us into the first point of what we really loved about this game. Yes. Is that we did talk about what's in the box, but we didn't talk about what's not in the box. Well said. So there's a very big component to this game that involves either your smartphone or a laptop slash computer. And it is the online part of the game. Now, um, you will play the game from your computer. That's how you access all of the chapters, which you can see in advance. But when you press play for the first time after you put in your code, you are going to meet a fantastic AI system. It is probably one of the best AIs I've ever seen in terms of how it worked, how it functions in terms of the gameplay, and how it kind of interacts with you. It's this really fun, like, group chat style in terms of you and the other characters you will very shortly meet after the first chapter. Yes, really great system. It reminds me of some of the other great AIs that we've played with, like in Society of Curiosities, some of their games, or I think about Space Corp, um, some other really cool systems that we've got to play around with. But yeah, it it's great, and it works really well on a number of different levels. Oh, yeah, because the other part, which we haven't talked about the AI, is that it is a group chat function. You can type in there. You can put answers in there. You can ask for hints in it. They did this really cool thing, in my opinion, just not knowing how it fully works. 
that obviously there can be attachments in there, websites, videos, 3D imaging. It's insane the amount of interaction as well as creativity that they used in that space. How much it flows with just the game itself. Absolutely. And then Jared, what else did we really like? I loved the puzzles and the components in this game. They're very good. It's uh, it's like, it's just so varied. If you listen to this podcast for any length of time, I'm a big believer that in puzzle variety is important to games. It's It's the spice that keeps you going. And I was very unsure how in eight different episodes they were going to keep me guessing or keep me doing different things or giving us different looks from episode to episode. And they knocked it out of the park in that respect. One of my favorite puzzles is in this game, having done it. Like, I, I Zach can probably remember, I was geeking out over it. And I'm, and I'm waiting, like, uh, and looking forward, like, are oh, we going to get to do this in this episode? We're going to get to do this. And then we finally got to do it. And suffice to say, it will be going on my wall. Yes. Uh, over over my computer, for sure. It's just awesome. Like like you said, the variety made it feel so unique from each chapter to the chapter. It didn't feel like, to some degree, right, you do have the same, like, solution inputs generally. Like, in terms of you have the group chat, which you, you type in answers to, or you get, like, a link to a website and you get to put in there. Or you got emails sometimes. Correct. Yes. But it was it was so fascinating because it felt like every chapter was different from each other in terms of different objectives, different ways the characters interacted with you, what your goal was. It didn't feel like, okay, I'm doing this chapter, I have to do this. Okay, the next chapter is like a little bit narratively different, but the same thing. It was we're trying to find information here. Oh no, there's something going on, you know, or we get to the end and it's how do we stop it, you yeah. know, or whatever without spoiling what's the game really goes yeah, on. Yeah, with about. what's going on in the game. Just because I don't want to spoil anything because this game has a really, does a really good job of kind of making the narrative. Well, I kind of go to our third point. The well, narrative. Before, before we jump into that, we have to talk about the components. Okay, go for it. Let's, I, you know, I'm a sucker for tangibility. Yes. And when there is paper, I have this high standard of make it not more, printer paper, not printer paper. Right. Yeah. I thought this game killed it. Oh, like I'm looking yeah. through the box right now. There's poker chips and glasses and the just elevated elements everywhere. Not like crazy. You know, this game didn't cost $500 to produce, but it was so clear to me that they took intentional time. Sometimes when we opened a new envelope, mm -hmm. it was a themed envelope. Right. Like it was a like a quote unquote, you know, FedEx envelope for our next sec. Like they just thought through so many of the details so well. And then that played into where we're going with the narrative. Yeah. I just kind of go to our third point after all that, which obviously we we really enjoyed the components and the puzzle variety. But then what I also really enjoyed was the narrative interaction between the AI and the puzzles. Yes. It the narrative starts off pretty simple. You know, you kind of figure out what's going on. Um, you are a hacker, I will tell you that, who is trying to figure out this blackmailing situation as well between these companies. And as you complete the first chapter, it fully goes everywhere in terms yes. of you start meeting other characters and things start going downhill. And it is on you to try to prove yourself as well as stop what's going on. Absolutely. So it's, but what was really awesome about it is that each puzzle we did really fed into the narrative of like, okay, we need to figure out where this location is so that we can stop this person or thing or whatever you're trying to do, right? And so you would do that or it would be like, oh no, we found there's a security breach or there's this website that we need to hack into and you'd get it. And then at the same time, narratively, you would receive an email from another person that's the character or, you know, and the game would, and the AI would tell you like, hey, we sent you an email. Did you like, did you get it from George? And then you open it up and you're like, oh my gosh. And it has a link to this, which then pays into the next narrative. There was never a point that it felt like I was doing a puzzle just to do a puzzle. It clearly meant something to the narrative and drove the importance of completion in terms of like, sometimes I get a puzzle and I feel like if I complete it, it didn't really do anything in terms of I'm closer to being done with the game, but I didn't really like, you don't see the results, Yes, I guess. Yes. And this game was clearly like, when I figured out all this information or hacked in this website, it showed it to me. If it was video or, you know, text between myself and the other people or whatever was going on, it, it delivered. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they did that on a number of different levels. One of the ways as I was thinking about this is 
we always talk about, you know, the importance of characters yeah. in games. And there are characters in this game and they feel alive and that's so cool. But one of the things that I really appreciated is in one of our early episodes, there is a series of puzzles and each of the puzzles is given to you by one of the characters. Yes. And what that did for us, I think, is further flesh out in our own minds the personalities of these characters that... Oh, yeah. I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but you never see. Correct, yeah. These are these are purely text-based characters, but then those puzzles like gave us some depth yep. to who these people are, their what style, they like. what they like. And then again, in a later one, they sparse you out into talking to them individually for a certain part. Mm-hmm. Like it's just very apparent that this was not just thrown together, especially I'm thinking through like programming a game like this. Yeah. Woo. Like that has to be a process and a very analytical one at that. But yeah, I totally agree, Zach. Like it didn't feel like puzzles. It felt like we sometimes had tasks that were puzzly that were then driving forward everything that we had to do. And that was amplified by the the things we talked about. Puzzle components were high. Puzzle variety was high. AI and the online elements and all a part of that ARG mentality were flexing really hard. And it just made for a really wonderful experience. Oh, yeah. So I'll preface this next section by saying, like, grab a microscope to find something super wrong with this game. Yeah. Right? There were, there were, we sat down, we're like, were there room for improvements? Did we? Yeah. It, to be honest, it was this thing of, like, we completed the game and I really enjoyed it. But then there was the, you know, like, how we have to do it. I do want games to improve. So I do, you, you do want to be analytical and be like, okay, what did I, what's that feeling that makes me go like, this was the perfect game versus it is a great game that is on the line of perfection. And it goes, what is, what is that tweak? Or what is in our opinion, that thing that's being the barrier between those two, like those two styles or graded styles of games. Yes. So the first thing I'll go into was, and like I said, these are all very small and these might not even happen to everybody. Correct. It happened to us. So it's, it's worth talking about in terms of in one of the games, you must complete different puzzles given by different characters. So I'll put it. Um, But how it works is that you need to complete each of their own puzzles individually as well as you get like a, a meta puzzle that involves all of them. And the issue we ran into was a minor AI issues issue in terms of if you failed what you were typing in, it would repeat all of the text over and over. Over and over. So it would be like, character would introduce the puzzle and be like, okay, you need to talk to these characters, solve puzzle overall. And it'd be like, if you have a solution, put it here. And then I would, you know, we'd put in the wrong code or we didn't have the right input. And it would repeat those like eight texts of line, which takes like 30 seconds worth of like it loading in terms of like the the chat system that it, but you couldn't put another answer in until it was done because no, yeah. you, it doesn't let you type in while it's like finishing its own process. So it was really frustrating, at least to me at a time, because we would get close and I'm like, okay, I think we have three to the four right, but now I'm waiting like, 30 seconds for this AI to like stop repeating itself and go back. And that's a hard thing. Cause I don't know if it's intended. I, I assume not. And it was just a minor thing on our part, but it is worth bringing up that it was a little frustrating in terms of like, I know what I want to do and I, I know the answer, but I messed up or typed in one thing wrong. And now I have to wait like 45 seconds of staring at the same text right. repeat a million times. Right. It, it, it It's a little bit of an immersion breaker. Yes. Because, oh, I felt like it. Because it's very clear that now you're dealing with a computer system instead of a character. Yeah. Um, but I it felt buggy and I doubt that that happens to everybody. That was and it literally happened once to be very clear this was not a like every episode it wasn't like a this happened 25 percent of the game or 20 it happened i would say of our overall experiences was like two percent of the entire game yeah and like i said i just don't i don't think it happens to everybody but i agree with you like i remember that episode because because that kept (laughs) it was funny at a point and then it became not funny not funny yeah the the only other thing that i would say and we really don't have a whole lot after this is that on the positive, this game does a really great job of chaptering. Yes. Which I really love. It's very intentional. It's very thought through. But then there's some elements, especially in the last chapter of the game, where, again, what I'm about to say isn't even a negative, but it is in regards. We ran into one puzzle where 
we needed not just information, but solved information from a puzzle chapters ago. And we did not play this all in one sitting. We played it over the course of what, two or three weeks. Yeah. And we, and we just didn't have that piece of paper. We didn't remember all that info. And it was, or, a, it wasn't just like a word. It was correct. like, it is a full a lot of information. Correct. And it's this thing of, you know, I think what we're kind of mostly pointing out is it's like precautionary in terms of like, I would tell people no matter what you did, especially if you thought you had to take a process and write down a bunch of information, you should write it down and keep it where you can find it. Yes. Because it felt like in this game, you did use things again from a previous chapter at points. It, and I think the game does tell you that that will happen. Yeah. Again, it, it onboards you into that. But but the difference is like, as an example, we played, let's say, I think we played like five chapters back to back. And then we played like two back to back. And then we took like a week break and finished the last one. And the issue became that all the info, info we had written down was about other chapters, as well as, as the info we specifically needed, I think we did not write down because we thought we realistically wouldn't need it again. Right. It just got put as an It input. was also a lot of info. So yes. it was weird. It was a thing I wasn't thinking of, like, I need this again. So then the issue came up, like I said, later in the game, you needed it again. And we were like, uh, I have zero idea where any of that info is or how to redo it or find it. So we basically got screwed. I wouldn't say screwed. We were put in a situation where we basically were like, okay, I really don't want to go back and figure out all that info. Or right. Play. So, so we just gave that gave us the hint enough to where we had the info again. Right. And, and, and that's and a positive too. Like, give me the solution. I don't, I don't really know. But as we're going to talk about in our next section, there's a point where that can become a frustration, especially if you're concerned with a certain element of the game. But but yeah, like I said, those were two like super minor yeah. points. Overall, this is just a really, really great game. I, I even talking about like monetary value oh, of this game. It's so worth. It's so worth. Just really fantastic experience. It's funny. I know I know a certain individual, but I know many who fanboy over this company. <laughs> and I can see why. Specifically this game, yeah. Like I believe this was their first game that came out and man they just like knocked it out of the park with this one like yep. super strong game highly recommend this game and the elements put together correctly just add up to a really fantastic experience mm -hmm. that's going to wrap us up for our first section we got puzzles to the people coming at you next solve puzzles write reviews win prizes it's time for puzzles to the people Silent Night. Okay, Jared. I don't know what's going on, but I really do not like this new creepy version of A Silent Night. Zach, I'm so sorry. I'm just so caught up in this new game that I'm playing. Well, tis the season to be jolly. Actually, this season, it's more like a murder with all of the trimmings. <gasps> this new game called Violent Night by Sultans of Solve is a really cool new premium experience. You'll solve a series of puzzly clues to try to bring a killer to justice. Well, if you want to play a Violent Night this Christmas, you can go to sultansofsolve.com and purchase it there. Just make sure you don't pick it up the knife before Christmas. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are now in the section of the show called Puzzles to the People, where we're talking about puzzly things to you, the people. We today, Zach, are going to jump into something that, quite frankly, sparked a little controversy in our last episode. Do you remember? No. Well, okay. Is it about the whole like scoring system? Oh, you read my mind, sir. Okay. Today, this has been a long coming conversation. I feel like we're going to be talking about the concept, the pros, the cons of having some type of scoring system in your game. Okay. And what that means. Should you have it? Should you not have it? Just all of those different angles. Okay. So I'm going to throw this to you first. Let's just talk about some of the games, not necessarily giving a yay or nay to it that we've experienced. Because the last three that we have played, Hack Forward has a ranking system. It does. 50 Clues has a score system. Mm -hmm. And the all of the adventure, adventure games, games have a score system as well. What are some of the others as you're looking around at our wall or looking through our closet that you can say... Oh, yeah, I remember that had a scoring system. The ones that pique my mind are some of the big box ones. Unlock has a scoring system. Yes. I know the exits all have a scoring system. Yep. Uh, Society of Curiosities in when we played Maddox 
I remember scoring system there. Quite a few as I'm uh, as I'm looking through the wall here that let you know how well you did. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is a part of games? I think people like competitiveness in terms of, I think people really enjoy the aspect of, I want to see if I can do it better than other people. So you're, you're saying it's a relationship to other people, not necessarily yourself. I think it's both. I, I think some people just want to be competitive and see how well they do, right? Like I want to prove that I'm like the best, but I think sometimes people do leaderboards because they want to prove that they're better than other people. A great. I'm going to go to adjacent space, just as an example, escape rooms. People love leaderboards. They'll look at it and they'll be like, that person didn't like 25 minutes. Oh, well, it's either a thing that they get jealous. It, it's two responses. It's either they get jealous and they, and they say it's BS because mm. they're like, they must've played it twice or <laughs> hey, there's no way they did it in 30 minutes or it is the, I'm going to beat them. You know, and then they either go really hard at it or it's kind of a joking matter. But either way, it is a clear, it's that thing that it draws people's attention. It's not a like, oh, it's there. No one really, people just do it for fun. It's, I mean, people do it for fun, right? But it's intriguing that those types of things people immediately look at and they go, okay, I want to see how well I can do it. Or like, they're like, I'm going to beat everyone. I find it very intriguing because Jared will tell you this. But we looked at Hack Ford, and we very clearly looked at the leaderboard system to see how it worked. Absolutely, yeah. We we looked through that pretty intensively, and we did you know top twenty five and some, and then some we were way down there. I just want to say that two of the games I played basically solo, and I did I got in the top forty both times. <laughs> Apparently, I'm dragging Zach down. Is what he's trying to say. I'm gonna say yes because. <laughs> Factually, it did happen that way, unfortunately. Not all of them. We did really well in some of the later chapters no, together. Uh, okay. Three of the How ones. How dare you? I think out of the eight chapters, I think I think half of them we did really well, and the other half we got, I say well, but like we got like in the 200 range, and then there was the four, I think we got like in the top 40. Two of those I did mostly by myself. One I did completely by myself because it was just funny. Jared had some stuff come up, and I... He was like, okay, you can do it. And then I basically just played the whole, the whole <laughs> chapter by myself. I was just like, all right, I got it. I, I kind of think about this in two separate categories. Okay. I want to make a little bit of a distinction here. Sure. I think there is competition yes. in the one hand. And, and to me, that says leaderboard. And then there is achievement. Yeah. And that to me is a grade. Yes. So like when I'm thinking about a lot of these, Hack forward is is that raw competition in my mind because you don't have a pure leaderboard. It is a pure leaderboard. And but when you think about like when we played 50 clues, that gave us a a grade or a percentage, but then it encouraged you to like, hey, post this on social media. Most games that we play that have a scoring system are grade-based. It is a did you complete everything? It is that achievement feeling. Yes. And that the way you word it is perfect in terms of there are many people who love getting the best score they can in terms of doing everything that's possible. Right. It's fun for them. It's the same thing with video games. People love getting all the achievements, 100%ing a game. You know, is there a secret Easter egg they have to do? Or is it like do every puzzle correctly? You know, like people love it. Yes, I, I totally agree. So then I want to have a philosophical conversation. And then I want to dig into some of the details, into some of the things that affect your ranking or affect your score. Okay. I think there's a huge dichotomy in puzzle makers on whether or not games should have a score. Okay. Looking at the wall, I would say a majority of the games that we play didn't have a score. Correct. They do not have a scoring system. Or, and I think an adjacent conversation that maybe we can save this for another episode, but is a time limit. Yes. What, what are your thoughts on that? Does it take away from a game? To have a score, to have a grade given to you at the end of the game, or I know in some games it's an option. It says like, hey, if you want to score yourself, here's where you would have landed. Yeah. So forth and so on. How how do you feel about all that? Because I know some people that are very, very hardliners on one of these or the other. Like some people that would tell you like any game that has a score system isn't worth my time. I would never make that. I'm not going to put that 
pressure or that uh, grade on a player of mine. I think it takes away the entire point of the game. And then there's other people that just live and breathe the competition achievement. What's the point of playing a game where you're not getting a score, where you're not seeing how you rank, how you did, how do you rate yourself? Is there a right way, Zach? Hmm. That's not an easy question to answer. I feel like I say this a lot about most questions. It definitely depends. I think there are certain games that a scoring system really feeds into, especially with how elements of the game fit into it. Like it makes sense in terms of, oh, this would be fun if there's a way to rank it or that the game's like how the game functions is a scoring system and you know that going into it. So it's like, okay, if the game really functions around it, I think it's fun depending on the game, of course. Now there are some games where like it's optional and I think that's a really good element of like, it gives people that edge of competitiveness or completion, completionism, and just let them play it at the same time if they want to. So they can kind of freely choose. I think that's like almost the perfect way to do some games, you know, but I think some games don't need it at all. There's a lot of really fun, I'm going to say more narrative-based experiences we've played that if I had to score it, in ter- and it, in, there's obviously it doesn't make sense narr- like in there those, those experiences at all to add a scoring system, in my opinion, right? Imagine playing The Messenger or The Root of All Evil with the scoring system. <laughs> now, people who've played those games, you would know what I mean by that. Like how silly that would feel. It would feel really out of place and not appropriate. So, you know, I think there's obvious categories of games or styles of games that really complement a scoring system. Great example, uh, the um, crew versus crew, right? This is a very different game because it is a pure competition game and there's a scoring system to see who wins or loses. Yes. That is the perfect way for a scoring system because it is all about competition. It is, I'm better than you, which I am. Sorry, Jared, (laughs) at that game. Okay, sorry. I had a. It's been a while since I got to brag about that. That was great beating you. Anyways, um, yeah, some games it, it really complements it. Like those types of games, I felt like Hack Forward had a pretty interesting take on it. I, I won't go into too much details right now because we might talk more specifically of like elements that feed into that for sure. But there are games where I feel like it really fits in, and then there's some where I felt like it's it's like cool, but it wasn't needed at all. So you're saying it depends on what type of game you're making. Correct. I think it mostly matters on that because I'm not a person who's pure. There should be no scoring system because I think some of the games where we've had scoring systems have been some of the funniest in my, not like in like a ha the games, but like it was fun. Like I had a genuinely good experience being like, okay, we're going to try to like hundred percent this. And then we did, or like we missed it by one. We're like, dang it. Or like, that's so stupid. I should have gotten that, you know, like those elements are hilarious and like a really, and give good memories, you know, but then there's some that we played and it didn't impact anything. So, okay. I'm trying to make a get, dig, dig a little bit more into this. You're saying it just depends the classic Zach answer. It just depends on the game. Right. It really does. I, well, because I'm, I've, like I said, there is no black and white, like there should never be a scoring system or there should be a scoring system. I, I just don't think that's, a th- that's what most things in life. There's no clear. Do you think that, this is an interesting question. Do you think that there are some games that you would have added a scoring system to and enjoyed it more or the inverse, some games that you probably would have enjoyed the game more if the scoring system was just taken out? Second one. By far, I have experienced many games we've played that I thought the scoring system should not have been in it. I would actually say at the end of the day, if you asked me to pick a side, if you had a metaphorical at home puzzle game gun to my head and you were like, <laughs> OK, scoring system or not, I would say no scoring system. Really? Because I have found we talked about this a little bit and we had this debate the other day. I feel like times it takes too much away, like no much away from what? my experience in terms of, I know there's a timer. I know there's a scoring system. My whole objective now is to beat it. Now it lets me, it makes you, depending on the person, I'm just going to say it's for me. There are definitely, there's a high chance I will miss something because my pure objective will be time-based and as much as I can get in that time, right? Yes. So it will be speed through puzzles, do as smart as I can, not really read things super well, you know, it depends on the person. Some people, I think they take it slower, but they do more precise work. I think I'm more of like, I would speed through it. I'd be like, okay, how much can I read of this? And how much did it really matter? And I I feel like some of those experiences, I lost some because I, I thought in the back of my head, oh, the timer's running. 
and it really made me not give the experience the 100% attention it deserved in terms of like certain elements. That's super interesting. So you would lean more to like, I'd rather just play a game and enjoy it for its components and not be pushed by any type of competitive or achievement agenda. I think in terms of most of the games we play, like it depends. I would just say most of the time, yes. I would I would say I would not want a scoring system and would rather focus on the game itself and its elements. See, I think there's a huge personal slash cultural element here to why people play games. Yeah. Board games. They're going to be a winner. Yeah. Unless you're playing some type of co-op game. But even in that scenario, you're trying to then beat Beat the the system, beat the game, right? You're teaming up. So I think it's really interesting now because, again, we're always talking about adjacent spaces. When you now move to our style of gaming that we talk about on this podcast, and most of it, if not all of it, crew versus crew aside, is 100% co-op. Yes. So then you bring in a narrative element, which is more akin to movies, theater, that type of thing. And you solve your way through it and you get to the end. And do you say like, oh, that was a cool story. I really enjoyed my journey. Or for the competitive people, like, well, how did I do? Like, because that's what I'm saying. Like, we fall in such a, a unique intersection here to where we're not fully a board game. We're not fully a narrative. Mm-hmm. We're somewhere at the intersection. And I understand people's mindset sometimes that want to compete and know how they did. And I think that is why, especially I would say in a lot of our big box games, there is some type of score system. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, and I don't think we'll ever know the answer to this, like if we went the route of taking all score systems out of games, would we lose a majority of our players? What do you say to that? Do you think we would? Do you think a majority of people that entice themselves in, I'm going to stick to big box games, enjoy the score element? Hmm. Because the other part of this, and we've talked about this in past episodes, is there's a difficulty rating on the front of that box stack. Yep. There's a three out of five star, a three out of five lock. People uh, care about that. A two out of 10. What does that mean if I can't judge how I did in relationship to that rating? What's the point of having that on there? Yeah. That's an interesting question. It's, it's, a, it's a great idea. It's the, I think it depends on what you really look for in a game. I think for some people, narrative and story is really important, right? It's kind of more about understanding how the narrative fits into it all in terms of like, I really enjoy the story. The puzzles are either like really woven into it or just like a partial thing. Like example, I'm going to say like messenger and like Rudolf, you talked about this earlier, great games in terms of like have a lot of narrative that the, like that the puzzles feed into it, but they can be like their own things in terms of you could really read into one. I think messengers more interact like combined than like root of all evil, but like root of all evil, you could read all for the story and not, if you didn't want to, have to do the yeah, puzzles. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think for those games, right, it, it doesn't make sense for a scoring system or like a rating or a difficulty because they're they're made for you to enjoy that journey and understanding of where the story's going and like attach yourself to it. Now, big box games, I completely agree in terms of a lot of people, especially I would, I'm going to say this as a broad thing. I would say a lot of new people who are people who randomly enter the space probably just played board games and saw something that was related somewhat to it. Right, because that's, gave what, it a chance. that's it, what they're sitting next to on the shelf. Correct. So they they try it, and I think it is important to get people in with those things because it gives them something they're familiarized with, right? It's a score system. It's a difficulty rating. It's the same with other adjacent spaces. It's like video games, escape rooms, you know, like people walk into an escape room and ask what the difficulty rating is or how out of how many stars is it difficult or how many people get out. It, it's probably the most popular question I get asked ever at the escape room. It is it because it's just something that people want to know if they got into something that's way too difficult for them or they're excited to beat it. it it's one of the two. Now, it, it's interesting because the whole element of the rating system and having it compared to board games, I think it's good for some games. I think it generally is. I just found, at least in my experience with the games that we've played that are mostly in our space that aren't big, it's not needed. Or I feel like it's it, it wouldn't make sense because they're mostly about the puzzle element or the narrative. They're less about competitiveness. Yes. 
Now, I think well, the reason why some of the bigger games require one or that they, I'm going to honestly say do better, not in terms of, I mean, some of them are because they're mass market, right? That's just, I'm not saying like small creators are weaker than because they, I mean, they clearly there's a step in difference of like unlock versus an at-home game. Yes. In terms of like, a, you know, some of the people like our creators who are, it's just them. I feel like they almost have to do it because it, it's appealing as well as like it's a marketing thing. Sure. I feel like to a degree it is. I feel like sometimes those types of systems work really well and they don't. It's kind of like a, I need this because it's my way to get people to actually play it in terms of that they'll think there's some competitive element. But when you really leave that mass market range, I just, I don't find it useful in some games. You, you get where I'm going at? Absolutely. I, Absolutely. Cause it, it's the, I think it's the age old thing that we say, like, if you're going to do it, two things, give it a reason and do it well. Yeah. Right. If it's going to be a part of your game, give it a reason and do it well. I, I will say this, like we talked about 50 clues last episode. I think that's a great example of a grading system because it clearly tells you at the beginning, like this game is not about speed except for very specific moments of how that game plays. It is purely about making the right choice the first time. The scoring system makes sense there because the game revolves around that. Like the game tells you clearly you need to take your time, make right decision first time. Don't risk it because you will lose points depending on what you do. And then I think of like some of the other games like soup or some like cracking up mystery games, or if I think of, you know, like legend game of maps, like how do you, <laughs> why do you add a scoring system to that? Like, how does that make sense? Right. It doesn't. Okay. So well, I want to move on because I'm excited to hear this next question because I think this is where you and me will have our fun debate. Yes. Go into our next section. Okay, so here's here's what I want to talk about now. I like score thing. I, I, I like it sometimes. Yeah. Because in some regards, I think it can help carry a weaker game. Yeah. Because you're so focused on the competition part of it Sure. That maybe the story doesn't have to be as built out or the puzzles, but I want to know, and let's talk, let, uh, open conversation slash brainstorm about some of the games that we've played and what our score slash ranking depended on, right? Because this is not apples to apples for every game. So as you think through it, what in, in, in some of the games that we've played, what has our score or ranking been determined by? What are some of the factors? Completion of types of puzzles. Some are time-based. Time, like your overall time. Some are um, making right decisions and not messing up. Like if you fail, you lose a point or you lose so time, I'll, like whatever. I'll call that wrong decisions. Wrong decisions. So time, wrong, wrong decisions, decisions, overall game completion. completion. I'm trying to think if there's any other big one that I'm thinking of. Oh, there's a big one. I feel like I'm completely blanking on it. What hints it? used. Oh, hint system. Yeah. Hints used versus, and that, that even tears out hints versus maybe solutions. Well, okay. So I will talk about it because we'll talk about King Nygma. Theirs to explain is time-based, but it clearly shows on their leaderboard, the name of the person, how many hints they use in solutions. But the only thing that mattered was time. In terms of if you wanted first place. Sure. So you could have burned 50. Correct. And 50 some, of hints. The, some of the leaderboards we looked at, the first place did in 18 minutes, but they asked for 12 hints <laughs> and eight solutions. Now, in my opinion, I'm going to, I'm going to say this because I don't want to be this person. I think however you want to join experience, if that's board games, movies, escape rooms, whatever, you should do it the way you want to. Yes. Cause I see this a lot in escape rooms is an adjacent space of like, we'll have customers come in and they'll ask for 500 clues and beat the game that way. And I find, in my opinion, I find that not fun. Right. But, but to, to them, them, it's a good time. Yeah, man. Same as in video games. Some people just want to do easy, like the easiest difficulty ever. And you want to, you want to stomp the game and you want to walk out some there people, feeling like a champ. And some people do it on the hardest difficulty so that they have the pure challenge of it. So I think you can play how you want, but for me, it's that thing of, okay. Like in terms of that scoring system, I can see how they played it, but like, why does the first place get first place if they used 12 hints and six solutions while I used one hint? And, I, and it gives and you those categories so that you can, I think you can kind of look at them and be like, yeah, oh, okay, they don't, they don't really deserve first place. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that, but they are first place at the sure. end of the day. But then technically you can go back and play it and just put in the solution every time and then beat it in eight minutes because you, know, you can replay the game in terms of hack forward. But then we play other games that there's not a leaderboard, that it's just a scoring system, right? Mm. So let's talk about 
like we recently just played 50 clues as an example for 50 clues how that game works is it's on wrong decision making if you fail at making the right decision you lose a point essentially or a star which overall outs to your percentage that you get at the end of the correct. game yeah, your score so one of the games we made like one or two mistakes at all when we, and we got a 93 yeah got a really high score but then some games we made like four or five mistakes and we made like a 68 right <laughs> like in that game, it was interesting, but it was it could be like really fun and frustrating because some of the times we felt like we deserved it, and like in terms of like we made the right decision and we deserved that ninety three, like it felt like we made every decision correctly. And then some of them, like we made one small mistake or we messed up, and it felt penalizing. Yes, like really penalizing. Yes, you know. And then we play like unlocks or escape, you know, or exit the games. Yes. Um. In those, the scoring system is. I think purely based on hint and timer. If right. It's, a, it's, it's a, a mix. It's a it's a grid. Yeah. In it, exit. Because it goes like timer was it unlock that does unlock does timer and then your star rating based yes. on your like how if you messed up or asked for a lot of hints, right? Yes. If I remember correctly. If you like went to a card that you they tricked you into Correct. picking. Yeah. Yeah. Exit has the grid where it's purely your time versus your hints used. Yeah. And you know grid yourself and rate yourself from there and then like adventure games was purely completion based it was did you complete everything did you find the easter eggs did, did you find you, the easter eggs did you do all the right decisions did you end up did with you this, yeah it was it was it was, 100% it was purely like deci- that. decision and completion based yeah so that one was fun because at points we really went for it and at times we didn't and we almost got it or there was the times that at the end we started trying to really go for it and we missed it by like one and it was like no like how like how was I supposed to get that extra point? And you're like, oh, I guess technically, if we didn't make that one decision, sure, you would have gotten it. But it it felt it felt really rewarding because it was like a fun like element of the game of like I'm gonna complete this and I know it going in. And then some, I think the only thing is in some games where I don't expect the scoring system, it feels weird. Like if I go to the end and it's like, oh, you get scored, but I didn't think about it the entire game and I see that I only made like a a seventy or an eighty, you know, I get like uh, a. I don't know. I kind of disagree. Like that system exists. Well, you're wrong. So <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> that system exists. You don't know it until yeah. you play the game. But when you play a lot of the Society of Curiosity games, that's the system. I forgot that they did a scoring system. They do. They have a, and, and you're not, you don't know about it until yeah. the end until of the game. Until you beat the game. Yeah. So let's, let's go down that track. Like we've talked about all of these different things. Do you like knowing going in? Do you not like going in? Do you think that some of the criteria for score we should rethink or redo? Are there some hard and fast, like, I don't think creators should do this, or I don't like it when creators should do this, but this is okay. How do you, if you're the type of person that does like score in a game, what are some of the do's and don'ts, likes and dislikes in regards to everything that we've been talking about so far? We'll start with this. Do you like knowing going into a game that, Either you can score yourself, you're going to be scored. This is a non-scored thing. Like, do you like being onboarded into scoring? I do. Why? I think it lets me know the kind of experience I'm going to get into as well as what to expect. Because if I know going into it, like this game is formats based as completionism, then I want to do it while still enjoying myself. But I start looking out more for those small things that like would make sense. If it's wrong decision-making, like in those, I really, you know, like when we played 50 Clues, it was that thing of, okay, let's like not immediately go with our gut answer every time. In terms of, because sometimes we, like how we play, we kind of, in terms of competitiveness, we'll rush things. Like we feel like it's right, so we'll just do it because there's no penalty for not doing it. Right. And in that game, it clearly penalized you for doing that. So we're like, okay, we're going to like super make sure we feel like we're super confident. You know, or if it's a game where I don't have to worry about score, I can take my time and like digest it as slowly or as fast as I want to. And it lets me really focus on elements. Because I think sometimes, like you said, I think the scoring system, when it's put in a game, lets you not focus on details of the game that might not be as good. You know? And I think that it's a good thing in terms of distracts. But in some games, like, I think when it has a scoring system and it doesn't need as much, it takes away my potential to really digest and really observe the other elements of the Mm. game. You know? No, I think that's good because I'm going to talk here in a second about the things that kind of frustrate me. But I think all, in all of this, what I'm hearing is there's a trade-off. Yeah. Score systems more likely than not will make you not focus 
so much on the narrative, potentially. They may rush your players if that's something that they're into. The other thing that I think it makes you do based on how that score system works is I think it makes you hesitant to take hints. Yeah. And that's not good because there's, again, this is another part of the argument, like is taking hints bad? Should it count against your score? Well, if you can't figure something out now, you're in this kind of paradox of like, Oh, like I want to move forward in the game and I want to get to the next part, but I can't do it. Cause I'm going to lose. Like I'm going to lose some points. Yeah. Like, but in a game where there are no points, what do you care? Like, what do you care about taking a hint? Yeah. Like your time and enjoyment becomes the most important factor Yes. and not your score. So how do we, how do we justify all of this? Like, how do we, is there a way that we can all hold hands and sing kumbayas with narratives and scores and hints and ratings? It's like, it feels like you really have to choose. I was going to say, no, you can't, you can't kumbaya it as much as I wish. But I think there's no, like I said, it's not black and white in terms of like, okay, you make this style game. It has one. Yes. It, it's the style game. It doesn't. I mean, to a degree, there are those that are like, it's clearly like it should be designed with it. And there's some that shouldn't, but I mean, like there's a lot of games that hinder on that line of like, it could be useful or like help in certain ways. But then there's games where it's like, it takes away de- yeah. depending on the player and how they want to play. So it's, you know, unfortunately there are people who are going to really like it and people who are really not going to. That's true. And you just have to pick. Well, here's some of the things that I get frustrated with when I'm playing for score, when I get sucked into that world. Okay. I don't have a problem personally with in a score-based game penalizing people for hints because I do believe somebody that gets it without a hint deserves more than a person who can't figure it out given that the puzzle is fair. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a problem with that. What I get frustrated with is when you penalize me for trying. Yeah. I cannot stand that. I know. If you, like, okay, figure out the answer. No, you didn't get the answer wrong. Uh, Minus five points. It's like, I don't see the rationality behind that. Because if you're also charging me for my time, well, then I've lost what you've wanted me to lose at the end of the day, which is some time. Yeah. So I personally... And I'm thinking through some specific games, find that very obnoxious when I'm being competitive that fine, you want to charge me for a hint and, and, and maybe I score less because somebody did it faster than me. Totally fine with that. But if I'm trying something or if I put in the incorrect answer, that's really irritating to me because what if I mistype? What if I, what if I do all these other things where I'll give you an example of my favorite type of games. We make citywide escape games. Yeah. And we use uh, the Clue Keeper app. Mm. And the Clue Keeper app is designed for leaderboards, scoring, so forth and so on. So the way we design a lot of our games, and people know this going is, is the highest score, the best score that you can get is if you don't take one single hint and you solve every single puzzle. And then the second factor is if we have two teams that have the exact same score, time becomes the tiebreaker. Yep. Type in as many answers as you want. Guess until your heart's content. I'm even fine with putting a delay mechanism in there to say like, if you're just like rapid typing answers, you know. It makes you wait five seconds. Make you wait five seconds, you know, kind of like your phone lockout type of system. But don't, don't affect their final thing. If time is of the essence, okay, that's so irritating to me. Like I can't, because then you take away the team's ability to explore, to mm-hmm. be curious, to do all of these things, which is in my opinion, like a core concept of any game, whether it's competitive or not, mm-hmm. is the willingness to put two things together and see what comes of it. Could be right, could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So I really struggle a lot with that when I run into games that penalize me for trying hints on clue keeper. We make you type in the word hint. Yeah. So there's no like chance that you're getting penalized by, by being accidentally. And again, I am a more competitive person. I I'm not like, I wouldn't describe myself as like rudely competitive, but I want to get in there and I want to compete. And if you beat me, Good job. If if I beat you, like good job for me. Don't have a problem with that. I think I think that's especially in America, part of the culture that we live in. Yeah. 
And when done well, I think competition can be a very beneficial thing for a lot of people. But there's some things that I just, in terms of fairness, like when I look at a game to say whether it's fair or not, those things, those things are really, really hard because you're trying. And I, I, I felt like some of those things in 50 Clues, we've, we've had that out during that episode. I felt some of those things in adventure games. Yep. And those were hard for me as a competitor. But at the same time, I would say this more so in adventure, it did bring a dose of reality to say like, oh, hey, you did this. Can't change the, can't change the past. But in 50, it was more like, no, you didn't do it the way that we wanted you to do it. We're gonna we're gonna penalize you for that. Yeah, and that was really like, oh. But I I I think the best, if I'm talking about me personally, the best way that I see it integrated into a game, is giving people the opt in, opt out. Yep, I completely agree. I because I think that's the best for more people. So I, I'll dote on exit. You can play exit however the heck you want to, man. Yep. There is nothing in there that stands in your way on a lot of different levels. And I like it better than unlock because unlock in the midst of the game is like, "Eh, eh," and you know that you've messed yourself up on the game. Mm -hmm. So like those, those kind of intrusions in the game, 50 clues, same thing. Like you get rated on every single puzzle you solve. And that's kind of like, I thought that was a little bit demoralizing as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree. I think most games that you can opt in is the perfect choice because technically adventure games uh, let you opt in. Now, technically when you do, do, like when you beat the chapter of the game, it will announce to you. Yes. But you can skip it. Like it's not required. It is. Right. It says at the back, like if you want to score, you know, this is like how you would like take the points you acquired that you had been getting from each chapter and apply it to the like the sheet or the grid. Yes. So that makes sense. And I completely, I, it lets people like, if I want to be really competitive that game, I can, or if I like think that I don't want to, and I want to just try to truly experience it without thinking about like time or my decisions fully, like just experience it on how I want to first time it's, it's good. Cause I, I mean, we're both very competitive. I think at times, I think sometimes I'm a little bit less depending on the style of game. Sure. Um, like, I mean, obviously I, I play a lot of competitive video games when I, especially when I played them a lot, like. Like actually a great example. This is a pure, I'm going to go in this very, try not to go super long with this. There is a solo challenge you can do in world of Warcraft called the mage tower to explain it. Basically is it puts you in this very hard trial that it sinks you to the contents level and makes you weak quote unquote compared to the challenge. And it is all skill. Now there's no leaderboard. There's nothing saying that you did it. The only thing technically that matters is your achievement because technically when you beat it, you get like an achievement saying like you beat it on this date because that's how all achievements work. Sure, but game. it's not saying like you beat it with But it doesn't say like you're, you're the fifth person to complete this. Right. It's just, it's binary. It's but, you did it or you didn't do it. Right. Correct. But I I pride myself on how well I play that character that I, that I do in WoW that I didn't beat it in the first like five tries. I was mad at myself. Because it was a thing of like, I know I'm one of the best. Like in my opinion, <laughs> and, I, and I've proved it in the past. So it almost felt like even though there's nothing telling me that it mattered, it crazy mattered to me. Like I have to complete it now or else I suck yes. compared to other people. You know, because then when I talked to my friends and like another really good player would do it and they got it in like way less time, then it made me really bad. Because then I'm like, I'm better than that guy. Like I know that I'm good. Right. You know, and, and that's what they, but then like I play like another video game like Final Fantasy in that game, I take my sweet time because I love, and it's a different game. It's not about, there's the achievement element of that game and like competition, but it's mostly a narrative game. It's about yes. making decisions and really enjoying the journey of the story. You know, so sorry, I didn't mean to keep going into that adjacent space, but it's a good one. I can explain how I am competitively. Yes. When we play these types of games, I'm mostly not as competitive just because I think most of the style of these games don't have it. Or it doesn't feel like it, to me, it doesn't matter as much in terms of longevity. Right. Like, cause it doesn't, I'm not like, it's like in video games, especially like online MMO ones. It's like, if I play that game for eight years, it matters to me. Like sure. my reputation, how I did over the years. But in most of these games, I play it once and it's done. Yes. Like who cares about how I did on, um, the grand, the, the grand hotel Abaddon, you know, from adventure games, right? Like eight years from now. You know, but it's, World of Warcraft is utterly meaningless. Correct. And it's the same with video games, but to some point I'll be like, 
when I'm like 50 something and I have kids, I'll be like, you know, I was the best, one of the best players in World of Warcraft from when I was a, you know, a freshman in college. It's, to- it's, it's so interesting. And I wonder if a lot of it is borrowed or picked up again from escape rooms or board games where that competition element just feels so innate because, well, there's going to be a winner in a board game and escape rooms for so long when you have something that's time-based you you can't help but offer a comparison, you know? So it's it's just a really inter- interesting intersection. This is one of the most divisive topics I know about in the escape room slash at-home puzzle mystery game world because, in my opinion, like, if I had to land on something, I'd say, it really comes down to your personality. Yes, it really it does. It really does come down to your personality. Yep. And we've, I, I'll be 100% frank, like, we've even had creators, after we've done the review for them, say, like, I think you rushed it. Oh, yeah. No, we had, I remember, specific, I, I mean, we had a few. I remember one specifically where they were like, you completed this time? I think you didn't give it the full experience. Yeah, like, I think you missed stuff. And and I and I think some of those we agree with in terms of, like, we did. Like, when I went back, I'm like, yeah, I probably didn't give myself enough time to focus on this, especially when no scoring system mattered in those yes, games. Yes, yes. But then there's some where I'm like, okay, we still did it all, but it, we just did it quicker. Like, we just generally did right. well, or we we wanted to go at the pace we did. Right. right? Like, it wasn't a... But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a... No, we've had creators say that before, so... And I think I think the biggest thing is you've... If I'll say this, and this is... I think maybe this may be a challenge to us. Like, if you really want to test your gall, if you, if you care more about the competition, sign up for some competitive puzzle hunts. Oh yeah. And 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 see where you land because there are some puzzle crushers. Well, there's also out there, like the and, um, and they are not on this podcast. They are not the hosts of this podcast. No, but there's also like uh who is it? Oh, it's gonna hit me. Hinks's weekly Yeah, weekly great puzzle. that's a g- great idea. Yeah. First person to solve it. People care so much about oh, that they, leaderboard. I was gonna say our group loves that leaderboard <laughs> with a burning passion. Every week when I go in there to like do updates or I just check in to talk to people or I like look to see how we're doing, I look in there and I just see the post <laughs> and, you know, and it's hilarious because every comment is I did really well, but this happened or I accidentally forgot to do this or, you know, like it was not making excuses. They're having a good time, it's but it was totally making excuses. Okay, some people were making it's excuses. totally making excuses. It's so funny. They're like, I would have been first, but like, if I didn't accidentally do this, you know, it was, but it's so funny because I love getting to see everyone, especially in the community that we know, like all have a fun competition between each other. Yes. That's a great thought, Zach. I love that so much because I didn't, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's a rating system for Hink's elevator. Not that I remember. I feel like I could be completely wrong, but I'm going to say no, but maybe we forgot. Maybe we've forgotten, but, I, but okay. I'll say it like this. I could care less. Like after I played Hinks. Okay. But how Hinks I could, plays, I, you don't care. I could care less how I did on that. Correct. But then it's so funny to see that same company then. Make something completely a competitive completely based. Completely competitive based. And how many people love it. It's so true. Like it's, it, it, we're, we're all, it, we're all out there in the puzzle world. The, com- the competitors, the people that are there for the storytellers. What I think is good going forward is I think it just needs to be known. Can you score yourself on this game? Does this game automatically score yourself? I think that it could be another great tidbit of information on like the front of a box or on a website to help either entice people and get some more competitors playing your game or just to let people know, hey, you can opt in, you can opt out. Because I I think you can hear from Zach where we kind of land on things, where are some of the things that are kind of frustrating to us um, or not. But I just love having this conversation because I compete in a lot of different things in life. There's online video games that I love to compete in. I'm a huge uh, fantasy football person. Uh, also to tell you guys this, just because I think this is a fun fact, Never buy a Nerf basketball set in your office because me and Jared now are less productive and now we play competition pig and horse games in our office all all the time. time. Now, you're going to ask, who does better? Jared. (laughs) It's funny. I have a few good moments, but Jared... Okay, I'm going to make my excuses. One... It's not in the center of the door, which because of how the door is set up. Second... Excuse alert, excuse okay. alert, excuse the alert. Ball, the ball sucks. Okay, I'm going to make all my excuses. Uh, if we're playing real basketball, I would school Jared. But in this, I'll give him... 
I'll give it to him. I'm going to transition us to the next section because that last statement was just absolutely baloney. Correct. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and let's get off of this before it starts getting real live. We'll save that for another time. But we, we hope you guys enjoyed this. This is something that clearly we care a lot about. But it's not the end-all be-all. No. I uh, If you can't see the value of a game beyond its competition, you might just be a little too competitive. Because we really try to balance out that side of ours when giving our review. And honestly, some of my favorite games have zero competition element to them. And some of our favorites are the ones and where some we... Of, yeah. It's, 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 it's definitely mixed. It's a part of who you are. So... We're going to wrap this up. We have questions for creators coming at you next. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. Jared, 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 Jared. I found this really cool box outside. Can we please, 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 can we open it? Are you out of your mind? Look what it says on the box. It literally reads, Root of All Evil. There's no way we're opening this box. Oh, come on, Jared. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that... Have you ever seen a horror movie? Listen, you don't split up your team. The basement is not a good hiding place. You don't give cute little creatures water. And above all, you don't open the mysterious and creepy box with the word evil on it. Please, Jared. No! But if you're listening and you have more guts than me, you should actually head over to crackinutmysteries.com and pick up a copy of Root of All Evil. Um, Jared, I think I need to tell you something. Welcome back to Puzzle Company. We are now in the third section that is called Questions for Creators. But Jared, we're kind of in a unique situation. Can you explain? Zach, we have no creator today. What? No one created Game of Thrones. It's uh, an anonymous. No, uh, the creator of this game. Uh, it's the middle of December. That's a very busy time. We weren't able to shuffle our schedules around and, and sync up well enough. No, this is to be clear. No shade at the creator uh, or anybody at Key. It's Enigma. holiday season. It, it, it's, it's just it's hard to get. In. It just it just wasn't going to work out for our timeline to meet them timeline. We felt like this was a really great game. And so we decided to publish this episode just with our review and our middle section, which you may have noticed was a tad longer than usual Oh yeah, because we knew we weren't going to have a creator on. But at the end of the day, we still are going to interview this creator in the future, come back, re-edit this episode. So if you're like, oh, I really wanted to get to hear from them, don't worry. That's coming in the future. This episode will always be there and we will make a post when we have them on. Mm -hmm. So no big deal. Um, we definitely still want you to go to keyenigma.com. Pick this game up. This is well worth your money. You may be looking at us and saying, oh, this is a little bit pricier. You're getting eight games. It's so worth it. It's, it's, it, 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 it's a worthwhile buy and you can be played at any pace. So if you want to blitz it, you'll have eight hours. If you want to take some time, you can do that too. Um, but you can pick that up at keyenigma.com. And the name of the game, again, is Hack Forward. They have a couple of different options. You can also sh shout them out on social media, Key Enigma, and definitely check them out. Zach, how can you help us out in our podcast journey? How can I? Well, technically, I am a part of the team, so I you know do some of our digital stuff. Oh, you're asking how people could help our oh, podcast. Oh, yes. How yes. you were that made it sound like, I, I mean, I do stuff for the podcast, obviously, or do I not? You never know. <laughs> I do it. Everything, you do nothing. Okay. That's so BS. <laughs> okay. But anyways, here's what you guys can do. If you are really enjoying Puzzling Company, you're like, Zach, Zach, I, I want to show you all the support I can. Well, there's two things you can do. One, you can go follow us on social medias at Puzzling Company on Facebook as well as at Puzzling Company on Instagram. And then the second thing you can do, which we always appreciate, is go to wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if they have like a review system, leave us a review. Leave us a five-star review just saying how much you enjoy the show. Stuff like that. We really appreciate it. It's been awesome to go and look through and see them. Or you can contact us. You can go to at Puzzling Company or contact at puzzlingcompany.com is our email. Um, come talk with us. We really enjoy having the conversations that we can. Um, just like everyone else, we are busy at times. So if we take a little bit don't, we're not ignoring you. We're just, we're busy as well, but we love having conversations. It's a blast getting to talk about certain topics with you guys. Absolutely. Zach, what is happening next week? This is interesting, Jared, because next week episode is not a game. My mind is literally blown, even though I know what we're doing next week. Yeah. We are 
taking a little break, but not in terms of we're not going to have episodes. Next week, many of you have heard about this illustrious slash mysterious group of how how would you best describe them, Zach, as a secret Santa of yeah, sorts? The, the the secret like the secret Santa puzzling group. Yes. Yeah. Uh, many have participated. Some have thought about it, but we really wanted to give them a spotlight episode yep. to say who are these people, what games have they made, and honestly, are you out there and you're an aspiring puzzle person, but maybe you don't really know how to start your game. This is the perfect place, the perfect place to get wonderful feedback and honestly meet really cool people along the way. There's also been a lot of games that we know of that came from this group. Yes. Which is actually very intriguing to know like that was one of the like secret Santa games. A number of our first season guests and games have been on this. And we just thought it would be cool to interview people that are, have done it, doing it and maybe talk to them about why you should do it too. Yep. Well, that's really going to wrap us up for this episode of Puzzling Company. For Jared and Zach, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling.